This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Giles Corrin Has No Idea. It's called this not because I literally know nothing, but because it's all about the moment in the week when I have to sit down and write my column but have absolutely no idea what to write it about. Which is where my wife Esther comes in, who, having read all the papers whilst I take the kids to school, always has half a dozen ideas picked out for me when I get back to be discussed at the kitchen table over a nice cup of coffee. This is our last podcast of the series. It is. It's not our last podcast forever, or is it? Or is it? Who knows? And what a long way we've come. I know. We started with a massive great big row. <laughs> <laughs> and we just had a little massive and we just great big row. Had a little Do massive you think that people can tell when we've had a massive row? Nope. We see Ben did record it all. Do you want to tell them why we had a massive row? No, I don't want to tell We were having a perfectly okay morning, weren't we? I think it's the tension that I'm about to go away. It's always oh, this our exit row. We always have an exit row and a re-entry row whenever because you go away. tonight, after recording this podcast, well, immediately after recording this podcast, I'm going to go upstairs and start packing. And then I'm going away for a week, for the first of six weeks of being away to film, I was about to say my stupid, bloody hotel show, but people from the BBC might be listening. So, <laughs> I mean, my excellent, really popular, and it is really popular, and, and it's important that I do my hotel show. And three million people watch it every week, and I travel around the world going to hotels, yeah, as soon as I've done this podcast, I'm going to have to go and start packing, and then I'm off to glamorous Scotland for an entire mm. week. But you are you're going to some mist-shrouded, wonderful. Uh, well, I assume so, given, given that it's a, given nice. that it's an, it's an amazing hotel. I'm going to miss this fellow who's climbing onto my shoulder. Little Mo Tenzing, yeah, who you've now trained to sleep on your neck while you're having a nap. I know it's amazing to think when we, when we did this podcast, what two weeks ago they just arrived, yeah, uh, and they they were hiding in rolled up yoga mats and mm. other special North London hiding places. <laughs> Uh, and ah, that's just and now, he's so good at not really scratching me. And now he's up by the mic. There's the microphone. You're going to talk to him, Motenzi. Say something. Say meow. Say something. Say meow, Motenzi. Um, yeah. And now we've got these. It's two weeks have gone, and the cats are just at, totally at home. And I've got to go away. I'm going to miss them horribly. I now have my afternoon nap with Motenzi sleeping on my neck, just going. Let's move on to. Well, anyway, that's why we had a row because I'm about to go away and you pretend it's all fine, but you're inwardly resentful. And then. Yeah, I. Well. Look at your face. Like. What? What's wrong with my face? It looks like the Queen's resting face. Just incredibly sort of (laughs) grumpy and fucked up. I will take that as a compliment. Um, Okay, your column. I think you should rewrite the lyrics to Jerusalem. Why? (laughs) Well, A. Because, as you know, I'm always desperate to get you to do lyrics because I think that 
you're great at lyrics and poems and stuff and like that some of the best things. Well, what's the news story? I mean, it's arrived. meant to be a news thing. Okay, so the news story that this has uh, come from is the news that uh, Jerusalem is Britain's number one hymn. In what sense? What do you mean it's number one hymn? Is it, okay. is it, so what, what does that mean? Is there a chart? There's no chart for hymns. Is it, is it up from number three? Was it actually, Amazing Grace and then All Creatures Great and Small and actually, then this? Be, the Songs of Praise. The viewers of Songs of Praise have voted it their number one most favourite hymn. I thought it's always been the UK's no one ever, one No one gave hymn. the remotest shit about Jerusalem until the Ashes Cricket series in 2005 when the crowd started singing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know how, I bet the number two is Swing Low Sweet Chariot. That's not really a hymn, is it? Because really the rugby people sing Swing Low, Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Um, cricket yeah. people sing Jerusalem and football people sing... Um, You're shit and you know you are. Yeah, which is which is... <laughs> Which they also got from <laughs> Westminster Abbey. Um, anyway, uh, blah, blah, da, 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 Jerusalem da, da, da. is the number one song. It's yeah. because it's always being played at the cricket and sporting things. It won't be voted for by people in church. People, people who go to church don't vote on things. They just leave it all to well, the it, will of it, God. Was a, it was a poll by Songs of Praise. Really? Yeah, I think Songs of Praise is listened to by reasonably church-going people. And there's a long news story you've got in your hand. And it's what a it very say? long news story. Well, it's all about... What is the headline? The headline is, what a score, rugby hymn, Jerusalem. Oh, right, so it is about one. the rugby. It is about the rugby. So, okay. It right. is a rugby song, but it was also our school's school hymn, Jerusalem, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yes, but I mean, that was quite proprietorial. That was our school thinking that it was more important than it is. I mean, it's, you know, you, we, did, we didn't have a school hymn because they were, everyone was too busy working. Uh, so. So, they, so they used to sing Jerusalem at sort of the end of term. But they, it's also the Women's Institute. Yes. I mean, anyone who hasn't really got a song just goes to Jerusalem and they tear. It's the England cricket team. It's crappy old Westminster School. It's the Women's Institute. And I guess it looks to me like that story, what it looks to me from the headline that you've read out, it sounds like they're saying that when hymns of praise have a vote songs on... Songs of praise, yeah. When songs, songs of praise have a vote on the on the, uh, on the popular hymn, what happens is, is that a hymn from the rugby gets to be number one. Does it say what's number two? Um, wait a second. But it does say that Jerusalem doesn't feature on the list of the top 10 last time the survey was conducted in 2013. Hang on, wait a minute. Um, so it reminds me, the, the thing, the, the, you know, I used to have a thing in the, in the because um, the funny thing about it is, is, is that it's bollocks, Jerusalem. So there, I used to have a thing in the, when I used to write the Times Diary, which was sorry, fascinating. I'm sorry, what is, what is wrong with the hymn Jerusalem? Well, it's based on a massive, pathetic, patriotic misconception, classic 18th century imperial delusion. And did those feet in ancient times... Whose feet do you think they're talking about? Jesus. Yeah, you know, walk upon English mountains, green. No. No. So what are the other 17 lines for? Um, and was the Holy Lamb of God on England's... Pla- no. No. No, not at all. It totally wasn't. Um, and, and, was the, and did the countenance divine shine forth upon these crowded or clouded hills? Crowded. Clouded. I don't know. Whatever. No. No. It didn't. No. It didn't. And was Jerusalem built it here? No. No. But again, it's only no. whimsical. I think you're being very hard on a on the nation's favourite hymn. Which you mean so then the then the column would be the how about um, because I, I used to do a thing in the Times Diary, fascinating historical questions to which the answer is no. And I'd open up the Daily Mail and it mm. would say was King Arthur a Phoenician mercenary yeah. brought to Britain in chains by the Romans to work in a tin mine? And then they have 14... Pe- no. No. He, no, he wasn't. It's like all the... What, to bet my favourite one was, did Adolf Hitler's bad teeth cause the Holocaust? <laughs> no. It was the <laughs> 2,000 years of European anti-Semitism with a collapsing Reichmark is what, mm. is what caused the Holocaust. But they, so they, but they try and frame it. So, and I remember, and, I, and then I invited readers to come. Well, it was a fascinating historical question. And they would call them out of the paper. And then one of somebody wrote in with, 
and did those feet in ancient times. Right. No, and it's a thing the answer... It could be a version of Jerusalem to which the answers are all yes. Mm-hmm. So um, how does it start? And did those feet in ancient oh, times? Oh, and did those feet in ancient times walk about in Palestine never having heard of England? Yes! <laughs> and did the countenance divine shine forth upon the Sea of Galilee while we were all eating fucking thistles and living in holes in the ground? Yes! <laughs> and was the was Jerusalem builded in Israel while we just swung from trees and had sex with our sisters? Yes! And then they sing that in your fucking Women's Institute. Right, there's that idea dealt with. We've got the classic laughing Esther... <laughs> Back from her having a massive piss about me <laughs> spoiling her shout out. Now you're in a good mood, what? Esther. Yeah. Do your shout out to the no, African bush. No. Now do. I don't want to. No. I'm going to do it for you. I'm fine. So we've got a bloke in New Zealand who walks around a lake in, in listening to the podcast. Um, maybe we maybe we could ask him if we could come and live with him because that's where billionaires are going to go and live. Oh yeah. When Armageddon, as we're not billionaires, maybe we can come and live with our listener. So big shout out to them. And also we've had a shout out from, we want to shout out to someone in the Kenyan bush. They are listening now at the sound of the buffaloes and the tigers. I don't know what that, what does it sound like, the Kenyan bush? Esther's very excited because Esther loves Africa and she spent part of her year off in Namibia and we went to Kenya. Not got... only my year off, it wasn't just a gap year thing. I have actually been at other She times. has a deep and soulful commitment to the dark continent. I do. And so do we, one of our best friends lives there and is a Kenyan and now we turn out to have a listener in Kenya who plays it in the bush and she's, tell me, tell me, tell me. She's called she, Lucinda. And she's a film producer. She's a film producer and she's just produced a film called The Elephant Queen, which is a doc- documentary it took 10 years to make about the journey of a female elephant across Kenya and it's got uh, it's being screened in London I think next week and she's very unkindly kindly invited us but why has she invited us because she listens to the podcast oh, yeah, I think she's a and the you're podcast, saying Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it He's narrating it. He's narrating it. Uh, he's Did very... he go, does he listen to our podcast by any chance? Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? Because he could come on. I think it's a very rare, as it being a nature documentary that's not narrated by David Attenborough. So it's very kind of Nice. Maybe Chiwetel yeah. is going to be the new David Attenborough. Wanging on yeah. about the environment and how we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, not an the... easy listen. <laughs> and not that he's wrong. <laughs> not that he's wrong. Does she have? Does she have to pedal the bicycle to generate the power to play I, it? But we used to have to do that when I was in Namibia to generate power. Yeah, we had a, a bicycle hooked up to a generator, or maybe it was some weird displacement activity. But that's how we used to generate power in the bush when I lived in the bush. <laughs> in the days before podcast. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it is good. Um, Hi, Lucinda. Thanks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Now, given that um, people listen to this podcast and listen to me and what they do, Ben told me this, he's saying that they, they listen to one and they like it so much that they binge listen and listen to like 12 in a row. Oh. We have to remember, I always think it's a good idea to set the, you know, to set the, the, what's happening this week because we'll probably bollock on and talk about our cats and any old rubbish. So we need to let people know what's happening in the week. What's happening this week is Brexit is still happening. It's still? That's been, it's, still? This has been the background of oh every single God. show. One day people will look back at this show from the 23rd century and go, God, is that, remember those, that brief moment when Giles and Esther's podcast happened during Brogsging? What was it called? Bre- <laughs> Brex, Brixling? Brex, Brex, Brexkit? Yeah. Um, oh, I know. What, look, talk about the fact... This is quite interesting, and it applies also, can be applied to our household. I've written one of my no disposable cups. So yesterday at conference, there was this wonderful scene, which is an attempt at management that went totally to piss, where Boris is striding through the conference centre, on the people are shouting out, you know, Boris, Roper, Roper, you're, you're, you know, and he's, he's embattled by, so Boris got a lot of problems. Yeah. He's not going to get us out on, on the 31st. Yeah. He's, he's, today is the day he's, he launched his, his plan. He's finally said what his deal is going to be. There is going to be a hard border in Ireland. That isn't going to work. We are not going to leave. Meanwhile, Charlotte says that he squeezed a, you know, big handful of flesh up the thigh. Uh, there's, there's the American woman with the pole dancing thing who Boris went round yeah. to her house and for tech lessons. Money. seven times a week she has a pole and she has pole dancing kit but but in this case Boris just had uh, computing lessons and then then an aide put into his hand a cup of coffee and he went oh thank you very much and he was about to take a glass when another aide grabbed it from him and is seen to mutter no disposable cups because that's the thing that could <laughs> bring matters. Boris fucking Johnson down the man who's shagged everything and everybody shouted at his wife allegations of beatings people lit into the windows the whole they, they burn effigies off him because he's Politically in, in, insubstantial and a hypocrite. Oh, but he's seen with a non-disposable, with a disposable cup. It's all a bit the thick of it, isn't it? It's all a bit the thick of it. And so they, and the, and the people are saying that this is so terrible that it was so micromanaged. Actually, I think that has happened. That's brought the notion of disposable cups more to the fore. It's better that they're trying to show him without a disposable cup. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yes, I know I do. you care deeply about this thing because you've instigated a new way of making coffee in this house, haven't you? Oh, well, I've just, you know, you know. Only me. this morning did I'm I discover. I'm just a simple housewife and uh, I like trying new things. And I was advertised on Ocado, where I do my weekly shop, um, a, a new system of making coffee in coffee bags. So it's like a tea bag. But it's coffee. So I was making coffee happily with the way that I've made it for 2,000 years, uh, yes. which is pouring the thing. And then you said, oh, look, coffee bags. Mm. And it's first of all, it's a cardboard box. And you open the cardboard box and inside it is 10 plastic sachets. They're not and plastic. It, they're, they're recyclable. Are they? Yeah. They're sort of slightly. And inside, tea bags certainly inside are. the sachets yeah. is a tea bag. Yeah. So that's so there's three layers a of packaging. A compostable tea is bag. Is it though? Yes. Because it was revealed recently yes. that most tea bags aren't compostable, uh, because particularly the posh ones, uh-huh. because they have that was in the news as well. That's why uh-huh. this is news today. Uh-huh. So basically, where I had coffee that I had, I felt quite bad about throwing the bag away, and really thought I should grow my own beans out there, then roast them using solar power, mm-hmm. uh, and then grind them using my elbows, and then make. <laughs> You've actually got a box with two different levels of bag in. Yeah. I probably won't buy them again. Yeah, you could never be prime minister if you do shit like that. That's the reason I'm not going to be prime minister. I'm not enough of a groper. Well, you've, you've never been groped. I've never been groped either. No. <sighs> I might have groped someone. The man lost his car. Wait a minute. Sorry. What did you say? I might have. I'm just thinking maybe I've groped people. When you say go on. I'm just thinking. I may, maybe I did. Maybe I have done. I'm just wondering. I'm sure it'll come out eventually. I've been footsied. By who? As you know. Uh, oh well, I I went. Oh that one. No, so, so I so I did, oh, no, that, that, that so at a party yeah. in um, Devon, 
uh, in a pub um, with a lot of people around the table. I was at the time actually single, technically. Uh, and twelve minutes. And the, the, there was a the woman at the table yes. next to me, with, whose husband was at the other end of a table of fourteen. Yeah. And the woman started to, and I felt her foot on my leg. And if she was she she was very very wealthy and powerful, by the way, which I yeah. wasn't then. I'm not now, but even less so then. And she and I thought it was a mistake, and I looked, and then she started to do it, and then she took her shoe off, and it went up my leg, and I started. You know how if someone touches the inside of my knee, it makes my right testicle contract yes. which yes, which is like that. not in a sexual way just like, which is you know which is where i always used to go careful and yeah. the, because there's just bits of me that are strangely <laughs> wired so this woman did that mm. and and you were 20 27 27 29 29 and she was 50 she was 40 yeah. and i was 29 and and she did that and, and it all up my thigh and then we ended up if you're, doing it if later, you're, but she and I, she like completely. If she, if I'd done, I've never done anything like that to anyone. She literally, we'd only known each other about four hours, and she was touching the inside of my thigh with her mm. foot, uh, and then later came for me, and we did it, and that's fine. Um, you know how boring that'll have been for her, uh, and taught her a real lesson. But that, yeah, that's the, the only close thing I've ever had is someone doing it to me. Do you think after that episode she would think again about? <laughs> Doing it to anyone. Doing it to- <laughs> All you get at the end is a... <laughs> Wasn't there someone who wrote a book about who about how she was celibate for a year and it was just after she... Oh, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> you know what to say? You can't talk about that. Yes, really there, is a, there is out there an author who wrote a book. An so entire I, so, book about becoming celibate yeah. after she'd had a short relationship with was, She hadn't had a short relationship with me. We, we'd, <laughs> met, we'd met at a party when I was somewhat incapacité par le par booze et la drogue. <laughs> Uh, and we came back here, not here, to my flat across the road, and we had a, one of those long nights of oh, where, awkward. Where, where I go, oh, this doesn't normally happen, because uh, well, you can't say, oh, this happens all the time. Uh, and she went, no, it doesn't matter. And I said, it's all about you. And she goes, I know. And then at the end, she goes, well, it was fun anyway, because we got to fool around more, even yeah. though we all know that without that kind of actual closure. And Everyone she and then she shuffled off into the night, and like a few years later, out came this book about yeah. my year of celibacy. My, yeah, exactly. Um, and it began on the morning of June. Oh, yeah, I oh know. my I appear, god! Not only that, I appear in three different female journalist memoirs as the crap shag, and you haven't even written yours yet. <laughs> I there's know. another. There's another one where she, there's a story which is not true. There's another one with a story, and she comes back to my flat, and I can. And she talks about the photos of the. Uh, girlfriend that I hastily turned over face down which isn't true but the girlfriend she describes sounds very much like the girlfriend I might have had at the time yeah. and then she tells us she tells this story of a and it blames it all on me when it was all her fault and there's another one there's literally mm. three well at least you're not saying she's lying and none of these women by the way no one has ever accused me of any kind of grope or anything like that because I never have done anything like that yeah. all these women who have put me in their memoirs are women who came after me at a party mm-hmm. Dragged me home, pulled my trousers off, and yeah. then I wasn't able to do anything because yeah, it was all yeah. so stressful. Well, and they've look, all pissed on me for that. Well, it's because you look so naughty, but actually you're not. <laughs> you look like you look like you're you look like you just do sort of terrible things, you know, in sort of private, all sorts of like scary sort of things. But actually, you're not, not like that at all. And I think it's probably I don't know. Yeah, it's but it's I mean, speaking from experience, it's quite confusing. But then, you know, one adjusts one's parameters of expectation, then it's all fine. Uh, spies. Yes. Okay, so there's this, this story that's rumbling on about um, spies. 
at the Cliveden Literary Festival, which mm-hmm. has just happened. Uh, Sir Richard Dearlove, who's the former head of MI6, was in conversation with someone doing an event at the Cliveden Literary Festival. Um, and he criticised John le Carré and Dame Stella Rimington for writing books about their experiences of the intelligence services. He thinks it's a really bad... Well, Stella Rimington wrote a memoir literally about what happened, and John yeah. le Carré's written 50 years of novels loosely yeah. based, but he puts them in the same bracket. But was it, it wasn't John le Carré in the but Foreign yes, Office for, like, like, 18 months yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, then left he, and just, like, endlessly wrote about exactly. it? Exactly. He just... He, he cleans some... So he there's quite a long story uh, in the paper on Monday. Headline is Ex-Spy Chief Throws the Book at the Carrie and Remington. He's saying that uh, Stella Remington's book made former colleagues extremely angry. He says, Stella is a greatly admired colleague. We did a lot together operationally before she became head of the service, but she was extremely badly behaved. Which he means in, yeah, I think I mean, in doing, in writing this book. Uh, so, and, and Le Carre similarly. And Le Carre, they, they get annoyed with Le Carre because he makes uh, spies out to be just sort of traitors and double dealers. And cool. I have got to say, I've tried reading Le Carre and it's just so... And they've hit, and he, Le Carre's hit back. Yeah, See, so, my argument, I don't know what you're going to say my college would be about, but I would say I have never understood a paragraph of John Le Carre, no. let alone a novel. I never no. know who did it at the end. Not. He couldn't possibly reveal a, reveal a, a, a national secret because he can't fucking express himself <laughs> in, the, in, in clear, clear and plain English. Everything is a mystery and you don't know who anybody is at any stage or who, which side they're working for. Well, no, so, yeah, no, with Le Carre's not... Maybe it's a double bluff. Maybe Dear are. Love is a double agent who's actually working for Le Carre's publishers and trying to cause up a thing by making making it a big story when no one is really interested. Yes. John Le Carre and I have the same agent. Whenever I phone <sighs> my agent, Johnny Geller, he's, he goes, hi, Charles. Oh, sorry, Le Carre on the other line, slam. Bye. That's why I haven't published a book for 15 years. Uh, today... John Le Carre has rebutted suggestions from uh, former MI6 director Sir Richard Dearlove that his novels have angered Britain's intelligence community by saying that they keep inviting him out for dinner. I mean, there's something so petty and silly about. First of all, it's it, it, it's sort of a, it's sort of ridiculous. I think Stella Remington's book was a bit. I mean, the, the idea of sort of spies just kind of writing a door, and then I opened up a file and I wrote out a load of code names. And then I I mean, sta- no, it's basically, the, and then I stamped top secret on top of it with yes, my exactly. red splosher. Yeah, no, <laughs> my uh, the, red splosher. Well, my dad was in the Foreign Office for a while, and I, I, we all sort of slightly suspect that he was a spy, um, and he, but mostly because he's always very dismissive about any spy things going and um, spy work is incredibly, actually incredibly boring I'm about to say something which I feel like I've said before which makes me then think that you've got a spy fixation but I've, I've said before really Ben McIntyre does the spy things yes. I think I said that last week which you maybe did, means yeah. you've got a spy fixation and you keep bringing out these uh, spy stories Ben will have written something Ben will write something for Saturday about this fucking spy thing oh, fine, but okay. Ben for the 30 years working for the Times has managed to find a big topical spy story every week mm. to write something about I mean occasionally he'll write something historical which isn't quite spies but mm. basically if I phone up and say I'm doing this sorry Ben Max doing no, the ben spies Max Ben's doing the spies oh, well, that's fine, and to be fine. fair no but to be fair the thing I would do the thing that my dad would have been able to do or something would have been to um to do the spoof it would be but I couldn't do it can you what's John le Carre's style I, I don't know just pick up any old book and just write a spoof it would ha- I'd have to do a Bond one Bond <laughs> where Bond is thinking of writing his autobiography okay well can you come on um, what are your I brilliant want to write ideas, about then? the world's oldest restaurant oh yeah that one black place in Italy so there's a restaurant in... I haven't... Have I got the paper somewhere? If, if, it, if it was on page three of yesterday's Times, it'll be right here. Is it the... Yes, it is. Cafe dines out on being world's oldest. Okay. So a tiny trattoria in Rome that specialises in tripe. 
Everyone has to go, Bleh, but actually, I quite like tripe, poo sausage, and boasts Caravaggio, Goethe, and Keith Richards among its past customers, uh, as they claim to be in the world's oldest restaurant and hopes to knock a Spanish rival out of the record books. So there's a Spanish restaurant, Sobrino de Botín, in Madrid, and it's um, been opened since 1725 and has been widely regarded as the world's oldest restaurant. It serves its suckling pig, well, instead of its suckling pig from an oven where the flame is said never to have been extinguished. Wow. Bollocks. Right. It's bollocks. It's a Absolute bollocks. Yeah. There's no way that that's a 300-year-old fire that's been going. They can't even do the Olympic thing. It goes out <laughs> for a week. After a and also, that's just dangerous. Yeah, Spanish health and safety regulations are pretty, 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 pretty rough. No, but just, just in terms of, just in, you know. What, a fire that's never, you mean. You, t- you put your fire out, don't you? You put your fire out and shut the, shut the thing so it doesn't burn, no, your, I, you burn the whole of London down. <laughs> well, no, it would burn the whole of Madrid, which would be mm. le- less terrible. Um, uh, well, no, anyway, they, I, I think they're probably quite proud of the fact that it's... But anyway, so there's a place called La Campagna in, uh, in Rome, uh, and it claims to be the oldest, and it's going, going back to the 16th century, specialises in these Roman dishes like tripe, like sweetbreads, which all comes... And this is an interesting thing I've learned that I didn't know. So Rome is famously... We, had, we went to Rome and had yeah. seven or eight very bad, bad meals, meals served by grumpy waiters yeah. in shitholes and then couldn't yeah. get into the Colosseum yeah. and then paid £14,000 and left. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the oldest we did, we and shittest good, city in the world. We did not have a good time in Rome. Um, but, uh, but they have this thing, and I was, I, I was looking around for sort of authentic food, and what they eat, what they love is, what is Rome is famous for is tripe and offal and these kind of things. This is because for hundreds of years, when the animals were slaughtered, all the nice meat went to the Vatican. Right. And all that was left was the soppy inside, which they threw out the back door, and the Romans cooked that stuff up, and that, that's why Roman food is all, is all that kind of thing. But anyway... Uh, so this claims to be now the oldest restaurant in the world. They, they, they think they've got evidence that, well, they haven't got, got they, they, there's a guy called, um, she found a 50, so a guy called Pietro della Campagna um, made a receipt for, a, had a receipt for a tax payment for the upkeep of, of the road just outside. So he must have owned the restaurant, they reckon. And this was in 1518, proving it was 500 years old, more than 200 years older than its Spanish rival. Uh, and Caravaggio lived around the corner, and they reckon on that basis probably went there. Much like they'll say about um, Pizza East down the road in 500 years, well, there's evidence that Giles Corrin and Esther Walker, with their famous podcast, lived only four <laughs> doors up, so they obviously went there. But they can't, policy, they can't say that about Aces and Eights, because we've never been there. I went there the other night. Yeah, I know you did, but you don't go there regularly. There's evidence that the tube station was there, and Giles Corrin may have come home yeah. off his tits one night mm-hmm. and staggered in... To Aces and Eights, and then woke up 10 minutes later saying, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Um, so anyway, this is reckons it's the oldest restaurant in the world and Italy and Spain are vying for it. But I, as Britain's leading restaurant critic, are going to stand up for the oldest restaurant in the world. It's actually a British restaurant. Is it? Dating from... Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, fuck off. Oh, no. Be supportive. Oh, no, don't. Dating from... No. 8,000 oh BC. Oh, my God. I set the scene. Salisbury Plain. Oh, my God. A rock. No. There's a man in a bow tie, otherwise wearing bearskins. <laughs> Look, you and Ben are both laughing. The cats are pissing themselves. This is obviously a good idea. If, if, if it's this shit, you can't. And, and, Does anyone and say... He's got a big, he's got a big haunch of woolly mammoth turning on a spit, okay, and across the plain. Shush, no, don't interrupt. I'm, you... You get, you don't shoot me down your head. And so there he's standing there with it roasting on a spit and he's got some upturned wooden stumps all sitting there waiting to be sat. And two people come across, they come across Salisbury Plain and they, walk, and they finally get there and he goes, have you got a reservation? <laughs> <laughs> and they go, what? What? Have you got a reservation? What's a reservation? Can we sit there? No, I'm saving that one. <laughs> no, I'm saving that For in case. For who? Stephen Fry might come in. <laughs> 
So, like these these two these two Stone Age people, they arrive and they they go and you go to a reservation. They go, and then he sits yeah. them he sits in this sits them in this table. Can we have a nicer table? No. no. Uh, uh, and then he comes over and um, and they say, "Can we see your wine list?" He says, no, "I've got a really nice old one. It's two years old." <laughs> <laughs> or something because no, it's like they didn't have grapes yet no he goes oh they didn't have but grapes but it's a question yet. of no so and then then so then the way then then it's like the, the husband and wife are sitting there going oh, he's good. he hasn't taken our order have you got the have you got a wallet what have you got have you have you no have you brought the 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 saber-toothed tiger bones to pay for the dinner with <laughs> then the waiter comes over and goes um uh, uh, uh ouch i just dropped the menu on my toe because it was carved in stone and then he goes well we've got a uh, mammoth uh mammoth. we've got uh, tyrannosaurus rex we've got we've got some got pterodactyl and the, the woman goes uh, i'm vegetarian <laughs> You've been listening to Giles Corran Has No Idea with Giles Corran and Esther Walker. It's a Times podcast produced by Ben Mitchell. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to avoid ever missing an episode. If you want to find out what I wrote about in the end, there's a link to the column in the podcast description. And for the full live experience, you can tune into my radio show every Sunday night from 7 till 10pm on Talk Radio. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.